0: Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we dig into. Oh, sorry, I gotta take this. Animal Crossing's on my phone. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, the news from the week, including the uh, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp announcement and the Switch's plans to outsell the Wii U in a year. And then on Thursday, we're going to be coming back to talk about Super Mario Odyssey. But in the meantime, Mark, how are you? I'm great. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I have no complaints.
0: None whatsoever.
1: I, you know, well, less, yeah, zero, zero. I have zero complaints.
0: You were so ready to back down from that. <laughs> you were ready to concede I have some complaints. I'm
1: only human. Right, of course. But the complaints, <laughs> they're not necessary.
0: Right. Look, we're living in a post-SMO uh, world, Super yeah. Mario Odyssey. Uh-huh. So there's no reason to be upset anymore.
1: No, I mean, sure. Would it be great? hmm If at this moment, a drone was delivering a large bag of Sour Patch Kids to me, of course, that would be great.
0: Let me... That would be great, of course. I bought some trick-or-treat candy. Happy Halloween, by the way. Uh, Happy Halloween to you as well. Um, I bought some uh, trick-or-treat candy. No one came to trick-or-treat. And Sarah and I have just been picking the crackle out of the bag of candy.
1: (laughs) So, if people do show up for trick-or-treating, they're going to have the gross... They're going to have Mr. Goodbar. Ugh.
0: And like the dark Hershey's chocolates. Oh
1: man, that's a rough. That is a not happy Halloween.
0: It's not going to happen. No one's going to trick or treat around here. It just doesn't happen. I don't even
1: bother. I don't even buy. I mean, I buy candy. Right. I don't buy it for it. other people. <laughs> right.
0: Weather report. Happy Halloween again. Happy
1: Halloween. It rained.
0: Who knows? On my man. way
1: over here. No, I, I know it happened to me. No one can confirm I it. Was a <laughs> No one
0: knows. <laughs>
1: it rained. In uh, Los Angeles, last <laughs> week we were complaining about how hot it was. It is officially hoodie weather. It took like three I was
0: going to say, you are wearing a hoodie. It took, is now appropriate. It took like three yes.
1: hours on Saturday for the changeover to happen. I was uh, outside. It was hot. I went inside for a few hours. I came out. It was cold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was in the Bay Area uh, last week and uh, over the weekend. And I think we had the exact same shift in weather. Hot, almost 100 degrees, and then come Saturday, bam, it's Halloween, basically. You
1: know where it's
0: cool right now? Ooh, transitioning into guest weather. Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Mm, Tell me about Chapel Hill, North Carolina.
1: Uh, it's, well, (laughs) I was going to say it's clear and sunny. Mm. Of course, as we're recording this, it is late. So not super sunny, although the sun still exists, just not shining on Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I mean, I think at that's, the moment. That's
0: true of all weather reports: is that no matter what, even if it's cloudy, the sun still exists.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
0: It's about forty-two degrees right now, but it is the middle of the night, so it looks like it's uh, hovering in like the high sixties, low seventies. Uh, totally pleasant in Chapel Hill. It I seems deem.
1: Like. The biggest of ups Mm. to Chapel Hill, North Carolina.
0: Big ups to our listeners in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. No surprises, we've both been playing Super Mario Odyssey. Um, We're not going to talk too much about it here, because that's what's going to happen on Thursday. Um, And also, I haven't gotten too much of an opportunity to play it yet. Um, but y- you dug in over over the weekend,
1: yeah. And I'm really excited to talk to you about it. To really, to talk to anybody about this game, because it's a very good game. I, d- uh, but I have a, a, I
0: have some opinions about it. Right, Mark's got feelings. <laughs> we gotta sort those out. Uh, we are currently recording with the full complement of uh Super Mario Odyssey amiibo and my Best Buy pre order coin, which. Less impressed with than the Amiibos. The Amiibo are pretty cool. The coin... Sounds is,
1: cheap. Like, it, when you picked it up immediately, I was like, wow, that's cheap.
0: Well, it's in a plastic case. Is it an actual yeah, coin, here, though? D- yeah, touch oh, it. Oh, yeah.
1: I see. Uh, that actually is cooler upon closer inspection. I thought the plastic case that's around the coin... You thought that was the was coin. ...was the coin itself with, like, a cardboard insert.
0: Oh, no, inside. no, no, no. Yeah, um, I've tried to open it. I'm not sure that I can. I may not have the like fingernail dexterity to... Oh, no, I just did it. <laughs> I just did it. Here's the coin. Cappy's on one side, and there's a map of the uh, kingdoms on the other.
1: Oh, yeah. That's pretty nice.
0: So uh, we've taken it all back. The coin is awesome.
1: Uh, the amiibo are really nice. Nintendo's gotten really good at making these amiibo.
0: Yeah, I agree. There are so many different... Ta- even though like, it's weird that the overwhelming color on these things is white, but like they don't kind of rest on that there's like a matte white color there's like a translucent white that's um peach's veil Um, and
1: and like the one part of her dress yeah
0: and the rest of it is kind of like a a pearlized like sparkly white um and bowser's got these uh like all these different textures it's all very cool i like the way they look a lot um and the bowser amiibo is huge yeah and heavy yes yes he's very heavy um what else have you been playing this week mark
1: uh Outside of Star or uh, Super Mario Odyssey, I've had a little bit of time to play some Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. I uh, kind of feel like I've gotten my groove with the game. Oh, okay. But you know, the we talked about before how every day you, every day in game, you don't feel like you have enough time to do everything you want to do. Yes. And that is such a smart like game design mechanic because it makes Keeps you, you coming back to play. Yeah good because a day ends and normally I'd be like okay the day's over I'm going to go I'm going to in real life going to go to sleep now mm-hmm. instead I'm just like I, I have to do one more day so I can go back into that mine or I have to do one right. more day so I can uh, like it was a Wednesday so Pierre's shop was closed and so I have to go back you have to on go back Thursday, for Thursday so I can take care of the business I wasn't able to take care of on Wednesday but because it does have that day cycle it is also one of the games that i find easier to do like short bursts with yeah where it's like oh okay i'm just gonna play like a couple of days and then i can like put it down and go back to playing odyssey or something like that yeah it
0: is a game that unlike most has uh frequent opportunities for you to say like okay that was it you know um which i guess odyssey kind of does too because every every moon that you pick up you can be like okay that was it like that was the accomplishment point but they almost happen so frequently that you're like you just... It's just a steady stream of moons coming well, in. Well, we'll talk all we about, about, that more about that on Thursday. Um, I was on a plane a couple times this week, so I picked up Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga um, to play on the plane. Uh, I had never played uh, Superstar Saga, and I was like, hey, we talked about how I've got kind of a blind spot for the Mario & Luigi games, uh, and I'm enjoying it. Um, the... <clears throat> One of the, like the main mechanics of like the, the overworld of the game, like as you're traversing it, is that Mario and Luigi have all of these different, um, like team up moves. Is how they can like jump and traverse uh, along the map, and like they can hit each other with hammers. Um, and Mario hits Luigi and it like sends him underground. Uh, and Luigi hits Mario and it shrinks him down to a little size. So that's how like they access other areas of the map. Which is cool, but it means that sometimes when you're just trying to get from like one place to another, it gets kind of finicky with like, oh, no, I gotta do that. I gotta switch like the moves over, and like you've got nine different moves on the bottom screen that you have to like push and select to like make sure that you're getting from one area to the next. So it's just a little bit more fussy than I want it to be. Um, in between the combat uh, portions and like the the story beats, um, but it's beautiful. The game has like the the new sprite work in the 3ds version is great um really funny really expressive um so overall i'm i'm enjoying it quite a bit
1: what's like the tone or like atmosphere of this game like is it fun to just be in the world or
0: yeah i mean it's kind of more fun to like experience the story of it the world isn't really anything to write home about uh, mario and luigi are in the bean kingdom bean bean kingdom is maybe what it's called um and you know, it's got, like, some some cute characters. Mostly it's just uh, Fawful, who is uh, in a lot of the uh, Mario and Luigi games, um, who is, like, interesting, and, like, his syntax is, is messed up. And so, like, every time he opens his mouth, it's funny, right? Um, but, like, the world itself is a little generic and a little, like, Mushroom Kingdom, but with beans instead of mushrooms. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It It doesn't, like... It doesn't light my imagination on fire or anything. I'm just, it's a it's a, a fun game with a cute story. Um, and I, th- I think I'm going to finish it. I have no idea how far in the game I am. Because, um, like, I only, like, I, I keep finding, like, new mechanics or, like, a new, like, element to level up or, or, or something like that. So um, I'm maybe, like, six hours into it. Um, and I could be halfway through the game, or I could be like a tenth of the way through the game. I have no concept. <laughs> I also, I mean, this might be dumb, but in a RPG, it kind of bums me out that there are really just two characters mm-hmm. um, that your playable characters are Mario and they are Luigi, and that's it. If you want more characters, you don't get them
1: how How are they like distinguishing between the two? Like do they feel like they have distinct and interesting personalities because these games, I mean, to an extent in which I confuse the developers. like yeah. These games and I kind of conflate the Mario and Luigi series with the Paper Mario series. And one of the strengths of the Paper Mario series is that your companions are so interesting. Yeah, and, and so different. And so different. Mm-hmm. And from
0: each other and from Mario. Um, no, Mario and Luigi are, are pretty similar. I think this the original version of this game is where you started to see the kind of like Luigi, like scaredy cat kind of uh, personality come out it's really expressed in um Luigi's mansion. So like there's some of that and like they both just have like kind of cute fun funny personalities. Um but yeah, a lot of ways it seems like uh Mario and then like a green Mario. Um and you know some of the characters in there call them like hey, it's Mario and Green, you know, <laughs> or they call them like Mustache Man or whatever. Um so like it, it's got a really uh, a a smart like sense of humor about itself. Um but yeah, the, the Mario and Luigi are pretty similar, both in, like, personality and, uh, like, gameplay. They have different moves, but they're all based on the same, like, jump and or hammer mechanics. Um, they're just, you know, different, like, series of... It's all, you know, the whole... All the combat is based on, like, timed button presses. Um, and so they just have, like, different, you know, series of them for their special moves. It, you know, it's, it's neat, uh, but is... It's kind of a perfect airplane game, you know, where it's like, I just need to turn my mind off and let, uh, you know, let, let the game happen to me uh, for two hours or whatever. Um, so, it has been accomplishing that. Um, Mark, I say it's time we get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week.
1: It's kind of the calm before the storm this week. Mm. New release-wise. Because November, at least to me, is just feeling more and more packed.
0: Yeah, that's with... where we get all those uh, third-party games.
1: Yeah. And today, there or this week, not so much. Uh, Monopoly for Nintendo Switch came yeah. out today. And the Neo Geo game is Art of Fighting
0: 3. How many fighting games, Neo Geo fighting games, is this on... On Switch.
1: Oh man, I don't even know. And uh, I mean, we read these basically every week and they all kind of sound the same to me.
0: Yeah, it's tough too because like between the two of us, I'm like the fighting game guy. And I couldn't tell you anything about <laughs> Art of Fighting 3. If I had to guess, yeah, I would say, oh man, how many weeks
1: is the Switch? I was going to say like 20.
0: It could be 20 games. Yeah. There, are, there are like three different samurai showdowns on here. There are... A
1: couple King of Fighters.
0: Yeah, probably upwards of 10. There's Garu, Mark of Wolves. There's upward... You know, it's possible three Art of Fighting games.
1: It's a lot. <laughs> and then on... World Heroes. <laughs> and then on Thursday, November 2nd, uh, two Switch eShop releases, Wheels of... I think it's Aurelia? Mm-hmm. Aurelia. Uh... I had never heard of this game before, but saw it on the Coming Soon in the eShop channel and was looking at it. And visually, it's ve- really interesting. It kind of seems like a... Or my understanding is that it's like a visual novel where you are driving through, like, Italy and yeah. it like, along the coast. And it maybe is, like, a period piece. It might take place in, like, the 60s or 70s. Okay. And so th- there is is some, like, driving in it, but it's mostly just kind of like a visual novel type game. I don't know. It looks very appealing. It looks yeah. very summery. It looks very, like, uh, stylistically fun and appropriate.
0: It sounds like a Japanese game. Is this a Japanese game? I
1: don't think it is. Really? I think it's made by a Western okay. developer. Um, And then Chess Ultra is coming out, which is, there's probably some twist, some ultra twist mm-hmm. on the classic game of chess. Akuma's
0: a playable character. <laughs>
1: And then on Friday, the, there's a new Nintendo 2DS XL coming out. It's like that Pokeball edition. Yeah. Which, once again, you know, Nintendo is just releasing and announcing new variations on the 3DS that are just really fun and visually appealing.
0: And that's uh, out ahead of uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Yeah, like a couple a, weeks. A week and a half, two weeks later, something like that. Um. Which I think you and I are still not excited about. <laughs> uh, Mark, let's move out of the new releases. That's going to bring us to a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433 where an former or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for. Th- For the duration of one performance, 4.33, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Bear with me on this one. It starts out a little weird and ends a little bit weird. So we are going to talk about musicals today. Uh, Mark, you saw Hamilton this weekend? Yeah, that's right. Um, Were you a Hamilton fan before going to see it?
1: Yeah, I, I I, I would say a casual Hamilton fan. Mm -hmm. I had heard, like, the album before and enjoyed it, and I was looking forward to seeing it. Um, I have to make that distinction because there are people who are just...
0: Hamilton heads.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to say, like, too into it because people can live their lives and, you know, it's kind of harmless to be a huge, enormous fan of Hamilton, but it gets to be a bit much sometimes. Sure,
0: and you've already put the idea out there that there is such a thing as loving (laughs) Hamilton too much, so we may as well just embrace the fact that that's what you said and what you meant. (laughs) um have you ever had a musical like that you felt super strongly about that like you were obsessed like maybe as a kid or because I know for me I'll, I'll offer mine first um as a kid we used to listen to Les Mis Les Miserables in in the car all the time right so I loved it as a child Having no idea of French prostitutes or the French <laughs> Revolution or anything like that.
1: Yeah, uh, Les Misérables is actually that's really funny that that was your guys's because some of my like best memories as a child are playing Donkey Kong Country <laughs> when it was raining outside with the sound off, listening to the Les Mis soundtrack.
0: Uh, now, Mark, I'm going to have to deduct you a couple of points for talking about Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> this oh man it's just but down, fair is down fair like a couple points uh, <clears throat> um but to to the point where um lame is for me is so like baked into my brain that uh when the movie came out a couple years ago i totally lost any ability to judge it critically um I don't think it's a good movie, but as soon as it started, I started crying. Oh, see, and that was it. I just felt everything the I whole time. I wish
1: I had felt that because uh, I was—I found that movie so disappointing.
0: Yeah, it probably is. I would just, you know, as soon as it started, I felt all of my experiences of uh, seeing and listening to Les Mis as a kid just over and over again. We
1: would always kind of like uh, be pushed to my, by my parents to skip over the... Uh, Lovely ladies
0: song. (laughs) Okay. It's not a great song either. (laughs) I mean, like, that's a good one to skip. Plus, you can get to like Master of the House a little bit quicker. Right. That's got some (laughs) body lyrics that are super fun when you're a kid.
1: Uh, My parents were not a big fan (laughs) of that one either.
0: (laughs) Um, As an adult, I find myself not uh, really loving that song or Mm -hmm. really even that musical for that matter.
1: I think I, I still have a lot of emotional attachment to the musical just mm-hmm. because I liked it so much as a kid. I do think it's interesting that, like, anything else that pair has written, like Miss Saigon, yeah. I have absolutely no interest in and find unlistenable.
0: See, we did a lot of Miss Saigon when I was a kid. And I think that's, you. Uh, if, if I were to listen to it fresh now, I would be like, what is this? Why is it so, like, uh, soft rock you know, throughout uh, the whole solo saxophone thing? And like I don't know the the narrative of like she, her only way out of this war zone is uh, getting knocked up. Like it's all gross, right? The whole thing is gross. <laughs> it's a sick story. Um, other other musicals that you've been uh, a fan of.
1: Well, here's a controversial opinion. I don't really like Stephen Sondheim that much.
0: Okay. Um, like
1: I think Into the Woods is garbage.
0: So here's the thing. I don't think that's that controversial of an opinion. Oh, I really? Think, I thought yeah. Into the Woods is, like, beloved. No, I mean, Into the Woods, is, I would say, is the exception. Oh, like, okay. Like, that Sondheim, for the most part, um, is hard to get, like, because his, uh, melodies are so talky and so, like, meandering, and he's harmonically very challenging.
1: Yeah, and I'm not into that. I want a good hook.
0: Yeah, you want a good hook. And, like, in Into the Woods, there really is, like, that, uh, um that I wish song at the beginning like that's got a decent hook um and uh agony uh has a decent hook but like the rest of it is is tough to is tough to get through um i recently made myself get into uh, company do you know company time? no um it's you know about like dating in in the in the 60s and 70s and just like having a hard time connecting to people so you know themes that resonate um but the, uh, the last song in there, which is uh, called Being Alive, is awesome. And kind of like my primer to Sondheim. Like, it's how I... Oh! Well, I like, we'll never know. We'll never know. We were accompanied today by Gaslight. <clears throat> Let's uh, move on to the news.
1: Last week, we talked about it a little bit, or mm-hmm. the announcement of the Direct. We were all anticipating it. It's finally here. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp was announced in last Tuesday's Animal Crossing Direct. We were talking a little bit about this beforehand, that that feels like a million years ago, Yeah, not just last Tuesday.
0: Feels like a long time ago. Also, we were talking before the show, and this thing should be called uh, Animal Crossing Happy Camper.
1: Yeah, th- I have been calling it that all day. <laughs>
0: So if we if we mess up and call it Happy Camper, just autocorrect in your head for Pocket Camp.
1: Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. It's going to take me a little... I guess it delivers what it promises, but it's going to take a little bit of time for me to get
0: used to that as the title. And honestly, my phone's so big now, I don't keep it in my pockets anymore. <laughs> it's going to be Satchel Camp for Patrick. Um...
1: So last week I talked to Big Game. I put on like a (laughs) frowny face. You know, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like Animal Crossing mobile. I don't know if I need this in my life. And then as soon as it started, as soon as like the Direct started with its adorable presentation Mm -hmm. and... Uh Oh, yeah. It just had me hook, line, and sinker.
0: Well, okay. So, let's talk about what the game is a little bit. Because I for my money, it's surprising how full-featured this thing appears yeah, to oh, be. Oh,
1: same. Yeah. It
0: seems like it is an Animal Crossing game. It just instead of having a town, you have a campsite. Instead of having your own house, you have a camper.
1: Right. You are the, the manager of a campsite. Adorable. Of a campground. That's the, that's like the general premise. Mm-hmm. uh And, yeah, you have a camper RV type thing that is fully customizable inside... Customizable is that yeah, what I said? Customizable. <laughs> You're like Homer Simpson <laughs> <Yeah>. saying
0: saxophone. <laughs> customizable.
1: Uh, customizable inside and out. Mm-hmm. And at your campsite, it seems like there are like animal visitors or residents.
0: Yeah, I would I would guess that they that they are visiting, and these are all of the animal characters from other from previous um, Animal Crossing games. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of your favorites like KK Slider and. If you like another one. <laughs> Isabel, I like Isabel. Yeah. I like Lottie. The and otter. So you
1: uh, can visit them. Oh, excuse me. You can visit them and they will give you tasks. Uh, the task, One of the tasks that was an example in the direct was like, can you get me five apples or something like that? And then you can, of course, just go to trees and shake them by tapping on them. Mm-hmm. And then apples will drop. And this is one of those places where, like, the mobile game timer, like, cooldown type thing yeah. happens, is fruit is on a timer, which right. it is in like a regular Animal Crossing game.
0: Yeah. So this is one thing that they highlighted in the direct that uh seemed a little either like redundant or like you don't really need to say it is that the time in the game reflects the uh actual time of day that it currently is in in the real world. Yes. Which is also how Animal Crossing on 3DS works.
1: Yes, but I think the distinction is that while that is true for the mobile game, the fruit is on, like, a separate timer. Sure. Right? Like, it, it's not like the 3DS game or any of the other Animal Crossings where, you know, once a day you have fruit. Sure, this is, I get what you're This is, you know, uh, kind of like a different beast a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, once you fulfill the mission or quest or whatever that your animal friend gave you, then they will give you material, like cotton or something like that. Then you can use that to craft a A piece of furniture. Like a couch, uh, like a a table, something like that. And that's also on a timer. So when you turn in your materials to Cyrus, I think it is? Yeah.
0: He's a llama. Yeah, He builds furniture for you.
1: It'll take some time for it to be built.
0: Some actual, literal, real-world time. Which yeah.
1: you can speed up by buying... Leaf tickets. Leaf tickets. Mm-hmm. And that's, those cost real-world money. So, or you can just wait. Yes.
0: You, uh, and you can encounter leaf tickets through the regular course of play as oh, well. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so it seems like... Here, so here's, like the, and that's how this game is monetized, right? Um, a, a little bit of a pay-to-win situation, with the one caveat being that like, there's no winning Animal Crossing. Um, and really when you buy something or when you better, like, your campsite, in a way what you're doing is just, like, have making a more f- interesting place for your friends to visit, Um, or, like, you're buying something to, like, give to your friends. So, is
1: is gifting a part of this game? That's what I, I wonder. I, I, I wasn't sure.
0: Mm, that was the impression I was under. I guess I'm not uh, 100% sure. It
1: makes total sense, because either way Nintendo's getting the money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they don't care. Right. So it would be very, because that is a big part of, Animal Crossing, like the games themselves, Mm -hmm. is giving and receiving gifts as a way to increase friendship levels. Which in this game is made very literal in that each Mm -hmm. like character you encounter has a friendship level that increases. It's like an art, adding like an RPG element to it. Yeah, the more quests you fulfill, the higher your like friendship level goes.
0: Right, and you know, there's always been like a little bit of like if you do something for an animal, they uh, they like you, um, and you know, little hearts fly out from their head and they like do a little dance. Um, but it's kind of cool that that's being tracked in like a numerical kind of way.
1: Right. It's actually, you can actually like see it
0: instead right. of it being
1: in like the code of the game.
0: Right. That would be helpful just like in life to be like, how many friendship points do I have with this person? Um,
1: that sounds a lot like a Black Mirror episode. <laughs>
0: mm, That's yeah. Episode two. I just started watching Black Mirror <laughs> <laughs> after like four years of people saying, hey, you should watch Black Mirror. I finally caved.
1: I think you probably should have watched it before everybody felt super depressed about the world.
0: Uh, I I mean, I should have done anything before everyone felt super depressed <laughs> about the world, right? I mean, we're all just trying to get by now. <laughs> um, and I think Animal Crossing Happy Camper is part of that.
1: One of the big appeals of ha- uh, of Pocket Camp, yes, <laughs> of Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, Pocket Camp is that, uh, and Animal Crossing in general, is that it is a very like soothing, relaxing, controlled environment yeah you know uh i don't know for me i liken it kind of to disneyland where some people don't really like the simulation that disneyland is like they find it kind of creepy Mm -hmm. um but to me it's like it's uh such good design that you can kind of like release the part of your brain that makes you like worry about your safety all the time if that (laughs) makes sense uh-huh. And I feel like Animal Crossing is the same sort of thing, where it's like, yeah, it is completing a lot of mundane tasks, but it is in a, like, fun environment mm-hmm. that it it feels relaxing versus, like, uh, being a rat in a maze.
0: Right, or, or, like, being stressful or whatever. Did you? This is a, a, a slight tangent, but were, were you watching any of the uh, trailers that came out of uh, Paris Games Week this week? Um, oh, for Sony? From, from the Sony... Uh, I was gonna say direct. That's not what they call it. Anyway, um, a lot of those trailers like made me anxious, or they're just so dark. There's a a Last of Us two trailer, which oh. is really violent, um, and the Detroit Become Human uh, trailer has like a a scene of domestic abuse, and it's just like all of it's so dark and like so overbearing and so like doesn't earn what it's going for. That seeing something like this 15-minute narrated video about, you know, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp was, like, that's just what I need. Like, I just want art that's going to make me feel good and safe and happy for a little yeah, bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, this game, you know, you have your campsite. Mm-hmm. And then you can also visit other campsites. And there's, they are different, like, terrain. Like, there's an ocean one, a forest one, um, so on and so forth. And then you could of course visit friends campers and campsites and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff too
0: yeah so you know uh do we know if this is one of those um have to be online have to have a uh an online connection
1: i assume it is because i think all of nintendo's like all of nintendo's mobile games are i think that's their way to prevent piracy
0: i guess that makes sense yeah uh is fire emblem like that
1: i would assume we
0: both pulled it off our phones pretty quick
1: (laughs) i would assume it is yeah um I, I'm I'm assuming so.
0: Tell you what, we're gonna look into it and debug that next week.
1: Yeah, but not by downloading it again, right? Oh no. Okay, great. It'll be a
0: Google search. <laughs> uh, so uh, we should expect this thing in quote late November.
1: Yeah, it's already out in Australia, mm-hmm. New Zealand, which I guess is I was surprised that happened like pretty much right after the direct happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess oh, uh, that's fairly common with mobile games like this because they use that kind of like smaller territory to balance the game and, yeah. like, make changes that might need to happen before they release it to the rest of the world. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, probably before things around Thanksgiving, Great. we'll see it out. It, I think it's going to be... Uh, I could see myself putting a lot of time into it.
0: Yeah, sort of accidentally or without even realizing it. You know, like, the, the luster has fallen off of uh, Mario Run for me again, so, like, there's another... Nintendo experience to get me back on the phone. Especially
1: one that feels like, you know, like, again, no stakes. Mm -hmm. Really, you you can half pay attention to. Yeah. Sort of thing. Sounds very appealing. Nintendo of America president Reggie Fizame confirmed that the final Breath of the Wild DLC pack, the Champions Ballad, is still on track for this year.
0: Surprising, because we haven't really heard anything about it. We hadn't heard
1: anything about it for a while. I kind of keep expecting, like, another direct. Like a short direct to pop up mm-hmm. for the Champion's Ballad to detail exactly what it contains. Um, what if they
0: just don't? What if like uh, just one day it's available and we can just play it and we don't know anything about it before it happens? I, would that be fun? I don't know. I don't know. I said what if. I didn't say wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if. I count, but I'm countering your question with like mm. would we want that? Uh, I don't know. Uh no, cause, you know, when we find out about it and then when it comes out, that's two different times we get to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Commerce. We, I love talking content. about it. We <laughs> love get, making content. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh you know, I like talking about Breath of the Wild. We haven't had opportunity or reason to, kind of in a, a little bit. Um and uh yeah, it's uh I, I feel like we are uh, enough games removed now from Breath of the Wild that uh you know it it'll take a, a little bit to like get back into it to like really playing it
1: yeah i think so too and but also i think it'll be it'll be fun to come back with new content mm-hmm. uh it'll probably feel a little like fresh at this point
0: yeah i did turn uh zelda on maybe last week to test out the uh video capture feature and I could not wrap my head around the X button for jump again. Like I, I had worked it in my head for so long and then I did, went away and, and then Splatoon and, you know, now Mario Odyssey. It's just like, oh, yeah, I know. I'm Jump's kind of on the bottom. I think that it'll be
1: a rough learning curve. Yes. Uh, coming back into the game, especially if this is like a high challenge. Yes. Scenario. Because <laughs> uh, I'll be going in pretty rusty. But here's the th- I think it could happen. I think you're right. Like, it could happen at any time. There was kind of a leak, I guess, potentially, we'll just label it as, like, a rumor for now, of a new release of Breath of the Wild coming out called Breath of the Wild Explorers Bundle. Okay. And it's rumored to happen about November 23rd. Uh, So maybe that's when the DLC will drop, too. It's not a hardware bundle. It looks like it's just a repackaging of the game that includes... Uh, like a two-sided map and an explorer's guide, okay, with like lore from the story in it, and so I don't know. It I wonder if it's just time to release, you know, right before Black Friday, right before the holidays, or or is that actually Black Friday, the twenty-third?
0: Uh, I don't know when I don't. I don't know when Thanksgiving is this year either. Um. The, when do, i'm just gonna ask another question we don't have the answer to when <laughs> when do the uh champion amiibo come out also in november right
1: oh yeah that's a good point i don't i'm not sure
0: i've got them pre-ordered um but uh i'm not sure when that is it would be w- weird for them to be separated by like a lot of time so yeah um and if reggie's saying it's coming then it's uh coming
1: well and if it does launch in november mm-hmm.
0: november is just
1: Luckily this isn't something I would have to pay for because I already paid for it. Oh yeah. Because November is getting ex- very pricey. We just found out that Rocket League officially launches November 14th mm-hmm. for twenty bucks. So that like is what? One week period is crazy for Nintendo third party. So stuff. that's Doom? Because the tenth you have Doom. Mm-hmm. Then I think on the 14th you also have L- LA Noir. And Rocket League. And Rocket League. And the 17th. And the 17th is, is Skyrim. Skyrim. And then you know there's going to be uh, some like indie eShop releases. Yeah, they're going to be coming out around that time as Just well. Just getting buried. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because uh, it there's no real reason to put release games in December, right? Uh, and we I know we have Xenoblade Chronicles two coming out December first, but that's kind of like
0: the December first is kind of November. <laughs> yeah, like
1: the closer you get to Christmas, the ho- yeah people do their holiday shopping way earlier than uh like the last week before Christmas. So releasing games right around mm-hmm. the holiday period are is not a great solution. So that's why November is just gonna be like insane.
0: I would also argue that uh Xenoblade is not going to be a like Christmas gift style I don't think game.
1: Yeah, I think that I think you're very right. I think
0: if if anything that'll be a game that people pick up with their like Nintendo gift cards on the twenty sixth. You know what I mean? Um I also think I, I there shouldn't be expectations
1: that Xenoblade Chronicles is going to be, like, a huge blockbuster. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Probably not.
1: I think it is appropriately timed mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. expectations. Um, And then Nintendo announced their second quarter financial results this morning. hmm The Switch has sold 7.63 million, or Nintendo has shipped 7.63 million Switches so far. In its lifetime,
0: uh, and that's just since March. Obviously, when it mm-hmm. came out, March third. Um, so that's pretty. That's uh, and these numbers are uh, as of the September thirtieth. September thirtieth. Uh-huh. So there has still been some time since then.
1: Yeah. So uh, that I- in and of itself is really good. Nintendo also announced that they are re- increasing their like expected sell through, of or I keep saying sell through, but that's not true. Ship. Mm-hmm. they they expect to ship. 14 million switches this fiscal year up from a previous estimate of 10 million. And so uh, that will run from, th- that means from April 1st, 2017 to uh, March 30th, 2018, they expect to sell uh, 14, million. 14 million. And that doesn't include the, the like launch. 2.7 yeah. that they sold in March, 2017. So that would bring the total switches sold to like 16.7 million or It'll probably be closer to, like, $17 if they're able to at least hit these goals. and
0: Which still puts it, like, way behind the uh, other, like, uh, current generation systems, but blows the Wii U out of the water.
1: Well, it puts it far behind in the sense that the, like, PS4 and the Xbox One have had, what, three, four
0: years on it at this point? Yeah, but we're also in direct competition with each other, too. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I. Okay. Well, we don't have to get into the five points. Okay, right.
1: (laughs) But uh, uh, from what I was reading earlier today and last night, the PS, if Nintendo does sell like 17 million in its first calendar year, that'll be more than the PS4 sold its first calendar year. Yeah. And yes, like you were saying, the Wii U has sold less than 14 million in its entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. So Nintendo is planning. Is anticipating selling more switches in one year than the Wii U ever sold. We're it's a little bit behind the Wii right now, but they think that with a ho- with the holiday season, it will uh, be like catch up to right where the Wii w- was at one year, which uh, is pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, especially because the Wii launched going into a holiday season, and uh, the Switch hasn't had one of those yet.
1: We also learned a couple more things. Nintendo has shipped over 2 million SNES classics worldwide. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey has already seen sell-through of over 2 million units in three days.
0: Good job, Super Mario Odyssey.
1: Especially considering that the Switch is at 7.63 million sold.
0: Yeah, it's a really high attach rate. It's like a third of all Switch owners have Super Mario Odyssey.
1: And then this is interesting to me. The Nintendo says that the majority of customers are using the Switch in multiple ways so maybe not surprising that uh the majority of customers are using the switch how it was intended to be used which is in tv mode and also in handheld mode and also in tabletop mode
0: walking the dog rooftop parties (laughs) uh picnic tables at a uh, basketball game yeah um Uh, esports yes warm-ups
1: warm-ups warm-ups before a big that's right competition (laughs) uh but in According to like their internal surveys, eighteen percent are using TV mode primarily. Thirty percent are using undocked the undocked modes primarily, and then everybody else is using a little bit of both.
0: Um, and how do you count yourself if you had to file yourself into one of those three categories? I
1: think I'm uh I'm a normie. I uh I use it all. A switch hitter. <laughs> I'm a switch hitter. Yes, yes, exactly. I I use it in.
0: Both I'm ways. sorry. I didn't hear the pun until. <laughs> <laughs> until i heard the disappointment in your voice
1: <laughs> i thought i hit it pretty well <laughs> no you did not um but yeah i i i i use it in tv mode more than i use it in handheld mode mm. but i use both fairly frequently
0: yeah do you find uh, that there are like different types of games that you like to uh put in your hands and different types that you like to put on the tv or is yeah. there no rhyme or reason to that
1: no i feel like the I guess what I think of is, like, smaller experiences. Mm -hmm. I like playing in handheld mode. Like, I've played a lot of Golf Story in handheld mode. I've played a lot of Stardew Valley in handheld mode. Yeah. Um, And not to say that I haven't played Odyssey and, like, Breath of the Wild and Splatoon 2, like, in handheld mode, because I have. But I prefer, I like seeing those up on the big screen.
0: Yeah. And I think that's mostly what it is for me, too, is that I, I just like seeing those. You know, I, when I uh, got home last night, I was like, yeah, I'm going to play Super Mario Odyssey. And I didn't want my first experience with Odyssey to be in handheld mode. I wanted it to be on, on the big screen.
1: Yeah. Now that I've been playing a little bit more of Odyssey, I, yeah, I think I'm the same way. Like, I feel freer just picking it up and playing it. Yeah. Now that a it doesn't, like,
0: like, need to make a big impression on you or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, Stardew Valley isn't never going to make a huge impression on me. <laughs> it me be tinier the whole time. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, And then, finally, the Wall Street Journal reached out to Capcom for their, uh, for an article they wrote discussing Nintendo's financial results for the quarter. And they asked Capcom about their support of the system, mm-hmm. or kind of, like, why they haven't put more games on it. Yeah, hold their feet to the fire. and Get them, Wall Street Journal. Get them. And, and a company spokesman said that releasing older games on a new console is normal procedure for third-party software developers because there isn't time to make new games for a console within a year of its launch. Mm. That is, of course, nonsense. Right. If they had wanted to support it earlier. See, also Ubisoft.
0: Also, uh, didn't Capcom, like, request some sort of, like, bigger uh, RAM? Ram. Yeah. Yeah, We talked. For Resident Evil 7. And, uh, yeah, this is something that we talked about a couple months ago. And Nintendo was like, okay, we'll do it. And then Capcom's like, cool, we're not supporting you.
1: (laughs) And, look, like, we have definitely done a lot of it because Capcom is super disappointing. But, because it's easy to hate on them because they're a mess right now. Mm -hmm. But it's also easy to see why somebody would not want to throw in behind the switch because the Wii U was a disaster and it was a disaster for third parties, especially. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, uh, it's easy in the benefit of hindsight with the switch being seemingly a huge success to be like, how come you didn't have the forethought to put more games on it? Right. But if, it's also hard to fault Capcom for not wanting to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the thing that, like, is not hard to fault them for is, and we've talked about this before, is, like, what's up with the decision that they are making for it? Like, you can't put the Mega Man Legacy Collection Volume 2 on there, or Volume 1, or the Disney Afternoon Collection. Like, these seem like no-brainers that were at home on Nintendo consoles in the first place. So, like... And obviously aren't like super taxing for the hardware or whatever. I can understand Resident Evil Seven and like, uh, uh Street Fighter Five and Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite not coming to Switch. That all tracks for me. Um, but like these, the more retro plays, like that seems nuts.
1: Yeah, I if anywhere, I think that they are kind of regretting their decision. I think it would be in Monster Hunter Worlds. Mm. Even though obviously the PS4 has an enormous uh install base. So but as far as like Japan goes, yeah. And even in the West, like the Switch is a uh hot new system that everybody enjoys playing. Like there was at the at that like Paris Games um expo when Sony was having its not a direct, they you know like Spelunky two was announced Mm -hmm. and there were a bunch of other like indie games announced coming for PS4 and Xbox One and all anybody wanted to know was if they were also coming to Switch.
0: Yeah, is that Guacamelee Two coming to Switch?
1: Right, and like some of the other ones that were announced, you know, they were kind of cagey about it. Some of them were pretty heavy, handy, heavy, handy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> heavy, ha- handy, ha- happy camper. <laughs> they were dropping hints pretty heavy, mm-hmm. heavy, handily that they are coming to Switch eventually. Yeah, but I mean, it's the system. It even like everybody wants to play games on it. Yeah, so. Anything you can put on it seems to be selling well. And so Capcom has to really be like head in hands right now over some of the like you said, like Disney afternoon collection.
0: Seems like it seems like such an easy one.
1: Yep. I mean I own it on the PS4 and I can't Would be buy bothered. it a second time. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. And that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Um, if you like the episode, please share it on Facebook and Twitter uh, and any other social network you're on. Uh, LinkedIn, share it on, share it on LinkedIn. Can you share things on LinkedIn?
1: You can absolutely share things on LinkedIn. You can also uh, endorse your friends for... Nintendo Cartridge Society. Yeah,
0: you can say, uh, "My friend Eric listens to Nintendo Cartridge they Society." They are skills. Skill, yes. Nintendo Cartridge Society. <laughs> uh, we are at NinCart Society on Twitter, and the Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Um, if you like Market Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on RetconPunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apit Betty. You can find more of his music by going to ApitBetty.com or by listening right here. <laughs> For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. What's a creative podcast network?